Introducing the all-new Romeo y Julieta Passion. The story of this cigar dates back almost a year, during a visit to the Flor de Coupon factory in Honduras. We witnessed the endless amount of passion and love the workers put into each and every cigar. This hand-rolled cigar uses a blend of Dominican and Honduran filler tobaccos, along with a rich and flavorful binder from the U.S. The wrapper is a zesty Ecuadorian Habano leaf that offers up notes of pepper, leather, nuts, and a dash of cocoa. Ignite your passion and pick up a box of the Romeo y Julieta Passion at JRCigars.com. Get ready for Smoke Night Live with Massa Sensei. Jordan, here we are, ladies and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> folks. Uh, what a crazy day! This is uh, Smoke Night Live, episode two hundred and sixty-three. I don't know. I don't know um, think. Days like this, Jordan, there's really only one thing to do, and that's grab, sell cigars. Grab a oh. ginormous bottle of Weller Reserve and pour that yourself good. a drink. Jordan, talk about today. How did it go? It was great. We uh, we sold a bunch of. Stinking good cigars. And the Atlantic cigars did not melt. No melting. Smooth. Cruising. This is is a bang for your buck, man. Seven bucks. Lots of people got the uh, special gimmick badge on Dojoverse today. That that badge almost looks 3D without the glasses. I don't know how. Maybe I need to get my eyes checked or something, but... So speaking of the gimmick, here it is right here, folks. This is what you'll be getting in the mail. Most of you probably, they they shipped up until 4 p.m. Eastern. So they were shipping these bad boys as you guys were ordering these. So you get this uh, bundle of 10 amazing cigars and, of course, your very own pair of 3D glasses. There's an extra sticker in there. You throw that on your humidor and you can see a a 3D humidor. You get an extra sticker, too. It comes with the, the bundle. So all this uh, comes with it, but the the best part about this whole thing is the cigar, which we'll be talking tonight uh, with our special guests on the show. Um, but you know, like these crazy days like this uh, are always so fun. Like it's it's you work so long on these projects, Jordan, and then finally when it goes on sale and people start ordering it, it is very satisfying. It's fun releasing your baby. Out you know, to the wild. it's like. You, you're excited that people are going to get to try it. It's going to arrive on their doorsteps, and they get to see the fruit of the labor. So we're excited about that. Thanks for everybody joining us. Uh, please feel free to hit share if you're watching on Facebook. Share this stream to your own page so that we can spread the wealth, spread the love uh, to everybody on uh, Facebook land. We have... Uh, Half of our guests are on, ready to go, Jordan. Half of our guests are <laughs> half on. Half the guests. But it's probably good. Uh, is that a, are you making fun of his size? No, no. Already? He, Jeez. I, he may be taller than me. And I'm, you know, so that's, but we're both Italians. Italians don't typically get very tall, Jordan. <laughs> we, we, we don't get that tall. Uh, yeah, now, on the flip side, we're incredibly good looking. And oh, that's, of course. You know, that's the trade-off. You know, you're, you're not so tall, but you're incredibly good looking. And ladies and gentlemen... Welcome to the show, Tony Bellotto, La Barba Cigars. Tony, how you doing, my friend? 
Hello, how are you guys? <laughs> well, you know, you guys know that uh, I am exactly one foot shorter than Robert, right? <laughs> I'm I'm five eight. He's six eight. Jeez. But but I mean, a five eight is a normal height. Exactly. That's, that's a normal. He's the abnormal American. one, right? He is the abnormal one. Right. He's also abnormal in trying to figure out technology. <laughs> so I just talked to him. He's he's trying to figure it out. So if you guys. We've only had him on the show like three or four different times. I mean, I don't know how I don't know what happened between <laughs> the last time and this time, but um, he was in studio. Well, he does. I don't think he has a laptop, so he might have a lap. I don't know what what his deal is. He's just uh, in in Miami in his little cove. <laughs> forgetting about the rest of the world, I guess. That's all right. We got you on the show, and that's all that matters, Tony. Now, uh, Tony, before we start talking about um, the cigar in this project, which is a ton of fun, the Lost and Found project that we just released today, uh, let's just, uh, why don't you bring folks up to date on on yourself and what's going on with uh, you this summer, this past spring and summer, and um, how have things been going? How have you... Uh, weathered this storm of a bizarre year uh bring us up today what's going on in your world no things have been great man i mean i think that you know i've talked to a lot of people that it, that smoke cigars and i think they're i talked to a, a a very good friend of mine that uh used to work in an office every day and his productivity he was a salesman but his productivity was up 1500 percent. wow and and his boss said I want to like make an example out of you. Right. And my buddy says, I, I don't know if that's a good idea. And the boss says, why? And he says, well, you know, I'm at home smoking cigars and drinking bourbon all day long <laughs> and his productivity is up 1500%. So instead of smoking a cigar a day, now he's smoking six. Right. <laughs> and he's drinking bourbon all day. So he's all like kind of loosey goosey, but he's selling a bunch of stuff. Right. So it's, I think that for us, you know, it's very good for the guys that really like cigars and they really pay attention to like the sort of meditation that it gives you. And a lot, a lot of these guys that have to work from home now are, are a lot more productive because they get to smoke a cigar while they're selling cigar or where they're working. You know, well, I think at the end of the year, what'll happen is they'll probably like review the year and they'll review all their employees. And they'll probably just come to the determination that this is the way we should just do it from now on. I mean, if the guy was up 1,500%, it seems like cigars and bourbon should just be, you know, a regular, uh, you know, regular work sort of day. I mean, and that's what means. That's just part of your uniform. That's pretty much what me and Jordan do every day anyways. Well, they should, they should hire us as like the, you know, when they have the people that do the magic tricks at the, like, conventions. They should hire us to just talk about cigars. And then these guys will start smoking cigars, and then, therefore, their their productivity will, will, will be way up. <laughs> yeah, they'll you know? Tony. They'll bring us in like motivational speakers into just that's what I mean. You know, yeah. Huge, huge corporations, and and we'll just be standing there like, all right. So here's what you do: you just get. Could the, you imagine this bottle imagine of bourbon? The, <laughs> could you imagine if the people at Apple smoke cigars? That'd wow. be amazing. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we'd be on we'd you be on know. iPhone 16 by now. You know? <laughs> exactly. So you've weathered the storm good. You've had a good summer. What's going on with uh, La Barba cigars these days? You got stuff going on? How has that gone? Well, we were, you know, we were kind of waiting to see what, uh, how the hat dropped with FDA. Um, 
to see what was going to kind of happen, you know, third, fourth quarter of this year. And I had been working on some things and, and trying to get them sort of all together to figure it. Oh, oh, Rob's Robert's texting me. Um, just put him on speakerphone. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but I was, you know, kind of hesitant on new releases and, and doing new things, waiting on the FDA to, to make a decision on what they were going to do. And thank God, you know, because of, of the people that fight for us and, and the people that we asked to fight for us, have fought for us, that we got kind of a break recently. And I think that it's going to pave a new pathway for us to sort of release some, some new stuff or some different variations of stuff. Right. Yeah. So I really want to, I really want to release La Barba Purple in some different sizes because it's been very popular. Um, and I really want to release a Connecticut. So those are the kind of where the direction that we're going and sort of the things that we're doing in the behind the scenes right now. How do you, how do you feel about the, um, you know, the, the prospect of coming out with the Connecticut. Are you a fan of that cigar that, and that's why you want to do it? Or do you want to do it? Cause you think, you know, that seems to be kind of popular these days. Uh, you know, what's the motivation behind the Connecticut? Me personally, I'm a big Connecticut fan. So that excites me. I love Connecticut's, but uh, talk about your motivation there. My motivation basically was, is kind of long seated. So my, my father's been, uh, a huge fan of Connecticut cigars since Ashton made its debut. Um, I don't know what, 25, 30 years ago, maybe. And so I sort of grew up on Cameroon and, and Connecticut shade my whole life. And the reason, so we had Siempre, I don't know if you remember that or not, but we had Siempre, which was a Connecticut shade grown Ecuadorian Connecticut shade grown. And nobody could, sort of tie it together with La Barba. So it was kind of a flop. Um, mm. So I kind of want to tie that into the La Barba portfolio. Um, I think a Connecticut cigar is a great addition to a portfolio because you can smoke it whenever you want if it's done right. You know, you can smoke it in the morning with coffee. You can smoke it in the afternoon. You can smoke it after dinner. It, it's a very good all around cigar. It's I versatile. Think. It's very versatile if, if you do it right. <clears throat> so with the Connecticut that we were looking at, we were going to do uh, San Andres Maduro binder. Oh, to I give love it some that style. Body, yeah, I like that style. You know, to give it a little body, to give it a little finesse, you know, but then keep the fillers very, you know, body-wise medium so you get a little of that creamy connecticut and you get a little bit of that spicy maduro and then in the filler you get that sort of middle tone where it just satisfies you and i think that's the the key to that are you thinking are you you go a white wine strategy on this or is this be more like a la barba not ricochet or no ricochet yeah it'd be ricochet oh some white wine yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think like Chardonnay-ish, like oak age, like California Chardonnay, like buttery, rich, just full of flavor, nice. 
very satisfying kind of wine. You know, Sauvignon Blanc to me, wine wise, it is sort of acidic and it's sort of like a precursor to Chardonnay mm. or a precursor to Pinot Noir, et cetera, et cetera. Love it. That sounds delicious. I can't wait till that happens. Um, so, hey, let's get right into We'll talk about this cigar, and then I want to talk just about Lost and Found in general. But um, So this cigar went on sale today at AtlanticCigars.com. If you use uh, coupon code DOJO10, you'll get an extra 10% off. And this pack only starts at 75 anyways, so it's a value without the coupon. But with the coupon, it's even better. Uh, this project is one that we've been working on a long time. But what really was cool about this project, Jordan, is that Robert pretty much just said, you guys just do whatever you want. Like, you know, have fun with it. Um, we had some blends to to go through and decide on. And I remember at the time, Jordan, you were here and I was in Miami. Yeah, it was our first time we had to we had to yeah two different areas. We had to pick the blends and we over were the in, phone. over the phone <laughs> in, in different locations, which was kind of fun. But the the neat thing about this this project is I think that folks are gonna find this cigar uh, unique. And um, it, that's what I like about this particular blend. It does it's not just a cigar. Like there's definitely some uniqueness to it, there's some sweetness to it, there's some cinnamon, which I'm always a big fan of. But then there's also just some uh, other flavors, Jordan. Like um, I'm trying to, uh, I get, I like like a dark musty. I kind of compare it to like uh, how Boulevard is like the darker side of Cubans. It's it kind of reminds me more of like a Boulevard, hmm. uh, like getting like almost like a little bit of ginger and like must and uh, like oak kind of stuff going on. Yeah, it is. It's not. I I think the the best way to describe this is you. I think that you're it it does jump out at you a bit if even if you've been smoking all day like it does cut through the palate a bit which is fun um you'll know that you're smoking something different and unique it's and classic at the same it, time it is very classic at the same time it's sort of like a uh, a reduced if you want to say like a reduction of mm. you know maybe a, a reduction a reduction of a typical uh, Dominican cigar, but it's sort of like condensed, Ooh, which I, I like. That kind of has those flavors are condensed in there, and um, so so Tony, uh, lost and found. This is this is a thing that I don't know if we've ever really specifically talked about on Smoke Night Live. Um, the whole lost and found uh, idea and where you guys started and where you're at right now. Let's let's rewind a little bit. Maybe some folks aren't as familiar with lost and found. The idea behind it is it's a fun idea. It's it's finding these gems in these factories and doing something with them that maybe couldn't have been done. Talk a little bit about uh, Lost and Found and your involvement in it and how it came to be and all of that. Absolutely. Um, so there was like a, a very big gap. It was kind of a couple of months where... I was starting La Barba, and Robert and Christian were doing the Winwood Cigar Factory, and then <clears throat> that agreement dissolved. And Rob was kind of traveling around from Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Honduras, like to all these cigar factories, and he was going to start his new brand, and. In the meantime, he was sending me all these cigars because we had become friends for 
from when we initially made cigars in at Wynwood in Miami. And he would come to Ohio and, and give me a bunch of cigars or send me cigars and be like, these cigars are amazing, but they don't have a home. And I was like, what do you mean they don't, they don't have a home? And he would say, you know, this cigar was X and it was, the production was supposed to be a thousand, but they made 1500. The other 500, just to make sure that for quality control issues and, you know, color of wrapper, binder, filler, they made extra. But all 1,500 turned out okay. They turned out really good, but they're only going to release 1,000. And I said, what are we going to do with the other 500? And he said, well, these guys said we can buy them. And I was like, why don't we buy them for pennies on the dollar? These are $20 cigars. If these companies want to sell them to us, then why don't we buy them and, and sell them for $10 or $8? And he said, that's a you know, very good idea. And that's how we kind of started it because I, I have a retail store, three retail stores in Ohio. And that's how we st sort of started the, the lost and found idea. And from there, we've kind of graduated to, you know, a lot of manufacturers looking to us when they have extra cigars. And it, it's taken eight years, but we've kind of graduated to that point where, you know, if there is a, an overrun and they're not seconds, they are the cigar made. But when a producer says they're going to make a limited edition of 10,000 cigars and they make 10,600 cigars, we have the relationships where we can buy those extra 600. Gotcha. Yeah, it's kind of like it's similar a little bit, Jordan, right? To like uh, something like that in the bourbon world. Orphan huh? barrels yeah. is, is the same kind of love it. The same kind of thing where they they've taken these barrels that they're in distilleries and whatnot, and uh, then sort of repackaged them and got that neat bourbon that maybe would have never been, you know, bought or sold out to market, which is kind of fun. You guys, and it seems like you guys have done a lot of projects in the last couple. How many how many projects do you think you guys have done like the, overall? Is that, it's just oh, too man. many. I, from, the, from the inception? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, man, probably a hundred. I, I don't know. I have no idea, actually. Wow. I have no clue. I have no idea how many we've done. Would you say that pepper cream soda is like the one? Like that's the one that's like, it seems like you guys have returned to that a few times. Oddly enough, that was the first one we did. That was, that was the cigar that Robbie brought back. It was that one night stand, and I believe uh, I can't remember the other one. There was the other one. There was only a hundred cigars, but he brought back pepper cream soda and was like, "Dude, this cigar!" And I was like, "WTF?" You know, like, <laughs> like what is this thing? And he's like, "I don't know." He's like, "I have no idea. It's just a really good cigar." So I smoked it, and I was like. Dude, we need we need to do something with this, and that became pepper cream soda, and we've since put some of those the pepper cream sodas back, and we haven't really released them because we had this you know idea of like what would it what would it do to age what what'll happen, 
and we continuously smoke them. Okay, Rob, hold on one sec. Rob, Rob's calling me. <laughs> Here we go. A live. Yo, you're on. You're on speaker. What's a live up? phone call uh, on the air. Should I take him? Should we try to hold connect on. with him or no? Are you there? Yeah. What's up? No, I don't know how to get on this thing. I'm on Skype. I'm just sitting here. You're on speaker. Let's see if we can dial him up on Skype, Jordan. Try so to, we're going to try to work it out. We're going to try to dial him up on Skype right now. I'm on Skype. I got uh, Master Sensei's thing up here. I sent like a little wave like an hour, like a half hour ago. Nobody's responding. All right. We're, di- we're, we're, we're dialing right now. Does he does he see that? No. Are you there, Robert? Well, I guess it's one of those things. Darn, we were gonna have the uh, whole over and under on how many uh, shirt buttons would be buttoned tonight. I was <laughs> I was gonna go with four. That was gonna be my guess. Well, uh, tell tell Robert that uh, thank you, and I I guess we can't connect with him, but. Uh, is I'm gonna it, try a different. Try a different Robert. Robert. Called <laughs> so, I mean, you might have different accounts. It'll, it'll be it'll be some it'll be some guy in like West Virginia. <laughs> like it'll be that'd naked. be amazing. That would be right. awesome. So, anyways, um, all right. So, um, so you were talking about Lost and Found and how it got going and the things that kind of got you. Is there is there any one of is there any of those projects, Tony, that uh, sort of stand out as particularly fun or interesting uh, in the Lost and Found line that you? Uh, you thought were uh, a fun and interesting, you know, version of the of the cigar. Well, I think there, you know, for us, that's our goal with the with the project from the beginning was fun, right? So I think they're all fun essentially, and I think that that that's the the purpose of the project. And when when Rob and I sat down together and and started to talk about the future of it, we kind of said, well, why don't we you know, give back to, to some people, some charities. And for, for me, the, the most fun part is, is discovering what we found and then having people's reactions and then giving back a little bit to, to the community. So that's been our kind of, uh, fun for the project. Talk about the charities. What, um, what are the ones you're involved with and, and how, and how does, you know what? What can people know when they're when they're buying these these products? What are they? Who are they helping? So, can I swear on this sh- on the show? Sure. Okay. So when you see the G A G A F, it stands for Give a Fuck. And when there's a Give a Fuck logo, or when we announce that we're going to uh, give back to a charity, uh, every all the proceeds of that specific cigar go to a specific charity so we are working on a charity that cleans up the ocean we're working on a charity that provides art supplies to inner city schools and we're providing money for i'm sorry i lost my train of thought we're providing money for people that can't afford meals in South Florida. So we're, we're sort of expanding on whatever we can do to help people that are in need or animals that are in need or, or anything. Right. So that's kind of our, 
our ethos now with lost and found, how, how we can help other people out. And I think that's very, I think it's a very cool thing. It's very, I, I'm very passionate about it. And Rob's very passionate about it as well. Did one with uh, the protocol guys recently too, right? With the helping out like oh, the yeah. police officers, yeah, just, families and stuff. Absolutely. We just, we just released one. Um, and that helps, um, a 9-11 responders fund. So all the proceeds we have were, are for um, anybody that was involved. I can't remember the name of the charity off the top of my mind, but we're donating all the proceeds to anyone that was a responder for 9-11. Awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, I think that's, this is where the, you know, it really feels good to do these projects when you know that it isn't, I mean, the guys that are buying this, are they're getting a good product at a good price and all of that. But then there's this other aspect of it that, you know, feels really good to know that it's it's for a good cause as well. And that just makes, you know, it's like kind of a win-win-win-win if you throw the retailer in there. Like, there's, you know, four... Four you know, wins. Four wins in that. That's a lot of winning. <laughs> that's more than um, you usually see. That's more than you usually. That's one more than you normally see. <laughs> but no, that 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 is exciting. Um, Jordan, let's uh, do our quick commercial break. Maybe while I'm reading this, you could try Robert one last time, and then we'll just give up on that. But uh, <laughs> this show, ladies and gentlemen, is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high-end boxes, including the brand new exclusive. Romeo and Julieta Passion. Don't forget to check out their social media pages, including YouTube, where they feature cigar reviews, interviews, and of course, their famous weekly top five videos. Check out JR Cigars for all of your premium cigar needs. This is episode 263 of Smoke Night Live. Uh, we are joined by Tony Bellotto of La Barba Cigars Tony. and, of course, Lost and Found. Uh, we just came out with the gimmick product today. This cigar is fantastic. I'm smoking it right now. Oh my goodness. And uh, Jordan, what are you getting out of your out of your gimmick as we speak? A little bit of, a little bit of nutmeg, like a toasted bread kind of thing going on. Uh, and the mustiness that I was talking about. You like that mustiness, I like that don't mustiness. you? <laughs> mustiness is good. Like that's that one of those Dominican oh, Dominican yeah. Dominican mustiness. Yeah, that's yeah. one of those flavors like if you t- if you said that to a non-cigar It'd smoker. <laughs> They'd be like, what? Mustiness. Why would I want to taste mustiness? But mustiness is a great flavor. And in fact, even sort of like a, um, a, a, a sweat uh, flavor. Oh, the you musk. Know, you know, the musk is also a good flavor. The Cuban-esque um, musk. It's funny. I don't get like, that too much in this one, though. People, like, people smell a cigar. Like my wife smells a cigar, and she says, it smells like a, a, a barnyard. And I'm like, oh, it does? Oh, good. <laughs> well, nice. like with yeah, Belgian beers, you. a lot of times you like describe them as like horse blanket, and like that. That's kind of the same. Right. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Horse it's blanket. Not a bad thing. Uh, hey, Tony, when we were in uh, Vegas, I'm trying to remember now. Was this? I, I think it was. I don't know if it was TPE or PCA or IPCP. I don't even remember. But that's the funny thing about Vegas, right? Yeah, we got into like this weird like. Because we're eating pizza together. Italian off kind of thing, and right with the Rudy's. Yeah, with the Rudy's guy. Um, yeah. I can, why, uh, my, my, his name is skipping my mind right now. Why is that? Means everything's skipping my, my yeah. mind right now. I know. But anyways, he, he's a great guy. And it was sort of like this like, competition of who, could, who makes the best like, meatballs. And um, we were going to have a big like, you know, like meatball. Joe. Comp- his name yeah, is Joe. Joe Pasquale, yeah. right? 
Yep. Yeah. Yep. Joe Pasquale. Yeah. Yep. He's a cool guy. He's funny, man. And uh, the us three short guys were standing there next to Robert and Terrence <laughs> Riley. So we were like being, oh. we were we were being dwarfed giants. by like you know two giants on the end. But man, we were we were going at it. We were like you know family history, like what do you call it, sauce or gravy? I mean, we were we were really you know we were almost throwing blows. It was great. That was TPE, I believe. Yes. Okay. That was the last trade show on record. Could be the last right? trade show ever. It could be. <laughs> could be. We still have cigars. Now, Tony, I, I I hate to break it to you, but my meatballs will will probably crush you know you and Joe's. I'm just throwing that out there. You know, I don't want to I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but Whoa. I'm afraid I'm afraid you guys are in for a, a, a rocky haul. Dude, everybody says that. <laughs> that's true. I mean, and that's fine. Everybody's like, my meatball's the best. And then they eat my meatball, and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, you know what? Here's the thing, though. The reason why I push this so hard and I, I bust you guys' balls so much is I just want to do this. Like, everybody will win. Like, there's, no, there's not going to be a loser in this contest. Everybody's a winner. Every- I, did I, I told you the story, I think, with my, with my mom and the meatballs, right? I don't think so, no. That night, maybe? I don't think so. So when my parents got married, my dad, it was right before RTDA, New York, in like 1970 or something. It was like 1970, 71. So my dad's deal was he marries my mom. <laughs> this is a crazy story. I can't believe Like if, if we If I tried to do this today, I would not get married. So my dad said, okay, we'll get married. He gets married and he says, we'll leave from New York to go to Europe on our honeymoon, but I have to go to the RTDA trade show first. <laughs> so he le- he marries my mom and he leaves her like the next day to go. They got married in August, July, August, like right around trade show. So he marries my mom and he leaves the next day and he's like, I have to go do cigar stuff for three days. Meet me in New York for three days and then we'll fly to Europe. So... My dad used to go to this restaurant in New York City all the time called the Grotto Azuro, which was this little basement restaurant on the corner. I think it was uh, Bloom or Broom and Ninth or something in Manhattan. And my mom is German Irish and she had no idea how to make meatballs. So my dad said the, to the owner of the restaurant, my wife's, my new wife's meatballs are like golf balls. Can you, (laughs) can you figure it out? So they took my mom in, in the back room of this, of this restaurant and the owner's mother taught my mother how to make meatballs. Um, in 1973 in this basement (laughs) of this restaurant in New York city and my dad and the owner of the restaurant smoked cigars and drank wine the whole time. It's, it, it's a crazy story, but my mom has the handwritten notes from the grandmother in 1970 of how to make a meatball and how to make red sauce. Uh, and she was Italian from Italy. And that's the sauce and the meatballs that my mom taught me to make. Oh, man. That's legit. That's legit. Now, I call it sauce. Some people call it gravy. What do you call it? It depends on what it is. If it's just sauce, I call it sauce. So if it's just like 
marinara, as most people would say, and noodles, then we call it sauce. But if it's got like meat or, you know, if it, it, it if it's more brown than red, it's gravy, mm. basically. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, kind of a similar story. Like my my dad was 100% Norwegian and started dating my mom, who was 100% Italian. And it's funny, like, they were... They were so racist against Italians. Like my grandma did not want my dad dating my mom because she was <laughs> she was Italian. You know, you can't you can't date an Italian. You know, like and um, but it's it's just funny looking back on that now. Like you would you wouldn't you wouldn't think it would it would be that way with with Italians, but it was like uh, and so like my my mom like came directly. Well, her her father came directly from Italy, and and so you know her heritage with with doing meatballs. So she sort of passed along this. And I have to say like her sauce recipe is the most cherished part of, of all of that. Like the meatballs are good, but um, I think it's the sauce, right, Jordan? That is, is the thing that has sort of like gone down through the generations. That sauce is just absolutely amazing. And Tony, what really that it's kind of a, it kind of hampers you. It's, it's like a, you can't go to just a, a, any Italian restaurant. I almost, the only thing I can order at Italian restaurants is is like pizza. I have a hard time ordering gnocchi or anything else because I, I'm not a, a, a snob. I try not to be a snob, but it's just not the same. Like you have to have that, you know, the way that sauce was made. It's just so different than what you would get in you know your typical Italian restaurant nowadays. Right, and, and I think that like this contest is going to be is going to be amazing, but yet so hard to do because it's it's like cigars or, or, or wine or any spirit, it's, you know, there's, there's a bit of nostalgia, right? Sure. Yeah. So, so your, your palate and your flavor profile is based on your experience. So when you, when you taste the sauce, that's like your family's that's, it's like the second best sauce ever. Right. <laughs> but if you taste one that's, that's off, it's terrible. And I think that that's important when you start to develop your palate or start to like think about what your your palate is doing or what you're tasting or what you're smoking or drinking or eating. You know, it, it, you have to kind of maybe set that nostalgia aside to yeah, sort of be unbiased when you when you taste something. So when we have our meatball competition, it's like I think my meatball is the best. You think your meatball is the best. And Joe thinks his meatballs the best, but if we were to judge each other, it would be insane. There would be no way to to justify it. Yeah, we'd have to have some sort of impartial impartial judge. Do you think we right? Get but it? that, but even that impartial judge, you know, is going to have his own partiality. Yeah, of course. Guess, but at some right? point, at some point, you just have to let the chips fall where they may. Right. So, so Robert's re- he's in the comments now. He's really wanting to get on. Tony, what if you, what if you t- told him to try calling us? Maybe on Skype. That's not usually how we do it, but maybe it could work. Yeah, on Skype. Uh, let me see. And then we, what we got to talk about next is you guys talk for a sec. I'm going to call Rob and see what's going on. All right, so cool. we'll, we'll, we'll we'll talk amongst ourselves. So talk amongst you. Well, actually, we've got an audience mic. Okay. And I really want to use it. 
All right, so uh, we got uh, we got a big studio audience tonight. Uh, Scott uh, Brayband in the audience. Uh, what's and Matt is over there too. Hi, Matt. Hello, hello. What's How your are we doing? Oh, what's your look. question for me, Scott? A question for you <laughs> is where in the heck are you guys coming up with all of this good bourbon for the studio? Oh um, yeah, I'm gone yeah. for two weeks. I come back and the assortment is just. It's a buffet of the what's what in bourbon right now. You know, so. that's a good point, Jordan. We've been on a bit of a good little. Oh man, you uh, you uh, got like a like the big boy of of Weller. I got the big boy of Weller. I got some Blantons, which is I know I'm kind of hard right to next find. To the bottle of Blantons, right? Jordan now. got the 1792 <laughs> bottled and bond. That's not easy to get. Yeah, wasn't too. B- and then and then the other day I go to the liquor store. They had the same Weller that you got. And you paid like retail, like forty bucks. This guy wanted ninety-five bucks. Yeah, this oh, it's the big bottle. Like, yeah, this is a forty-dollar bottle of bourbon. One point seven five liter. Now, is, don't you feel weird about like bragging about Weller? Like this is something that normally you shouldn't brag about. It's just, but nowadays you you kind of have to because Man. it's it's still dang tasty. Become so rare. But yeah, we've been a bit on a bit of a a good bourbon bender. kick, a, a bender. <laughs> you might say. You might say. Hello, um, boys. Sorry about Matt, that. Matt, do you have a question? Okay. Yes. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. How do you rank the sauces going from your mom's, April's, Sarah's, and Becky's? Oh, God. These, well, these are all the women in the fam. Luckily, they're all almost identical. Yes. And so it would be very hard to... To rate those, uh, Becky probably I would say Becky makes the best meatballs. That's your, that's your sister. Yeah. That's my I'm trying s- to that's translate my, for the audience. That's here. my older sister. <laughs> Becky probably makes the best meatballs. And then as far as sauces go, I think they're all pretty close. It really, you know, that's a, kind of the nice thing about uh, the sauce that we have. Like sometimes it can be better than others depending on like the sausage that you get that you cook with it. You know, and that kind of thing. Right. And so, like, if you get the really good Italian sausage and you've cooked the meatballs and the sausage in the sauce. Now, I don't... See, I'm one of those big proponents. If if your sauce has little chunks of meat in it, that, to me, I don't... That's a that's no good. The sauce <laughs> just has to be sauce. Now, that doesn't mean it's not meaty. When I say it's meaty, I mean the taste, the taste of it is meaty. You want the oils. Because you've been cooking the meatballs and the sausage in the the sauce. The I don't. Reduction. I don't want. Back I don't, to the reduction. I don't want you know, um, ground beef mixed in with the sauce. Oh, no. Jolene's calling you out for a PC answer. Uh, why? What? What did I? What they're did I, all good. They're all good. Well, it's true. They're, it's the same <laughs> recipe. I mean, they're amazing. You know, and so and then uh, th- there's one other aspect of this where this might give Becky a slight advantage is like how long have you had the pot that you've cooked this sauce in over the years? Like it's been like it's seasoned. Up. It's building up. You know, so obviously my mom is number one, and then after that the, all the sauces are all amazing. And but Becky might have the best meatballs, but it's close. Very close, Tony. Aren't you a sommelier? Yes, I am. Actually, what, what is that process? Isn't that pretty intense? It depends. So for me, it so there's two different schools. There is the Court of Master Sommeliers, and there's the WSET, the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. So the WSET is a stepping stone for somebody that wants to be a master of wine. 
the court of master sommeliers is more based on service and there's a big kind of nerd super nerdy argument between the court of master sommeliers and the WSET. but essentially the WSET is WTF is WTF, <laughs> right? I thought the same thing for a long time. But but what the school that I went to taught us about not only like how to serve wine, which is more of what the the court of master sommeliers does. It was more about the history and the rules of of how and why wine is the way it is. So, for example, you know, what is Burgundy? The, the sommelier program would, would kind of like touch on it and say Burgundy is like a private label sort of program where Negociants drink wine. And, and Negociant is like a private label manufacturer. So a negociant would drink the wine, like it, and then market it for America. Whereas a sommelier from the court would say, you know, sort of, this is your 2007 Pinot Noir. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're, we're like the WSET is more about like the facts and the intellect. Where the the court of master Somalia, I hope they they they're probably gonna kill me. I'll probably end up with like a bomb in my my mailbox. <laughs> but the, the the court is more like uh, factual and service oriented. Where we're we're more like sort of uh, you just drink a lot. Facts, drink a lot. We drink a lot. <laughs> we know a lot, and we're not pretentious. Mm-hmm. So I think that those are the three things that kind of separate us. <laughs> so Tony, you know, I think that wine is an underappreciated cigar pairing. Like, you know, everybody, you, you, you coffee, obviously whiskeys, uh, rum of course is, is a big, you know, cigar pairing. And then you have certain cocktails like mojitos and, and that kind of thing. But I, I really like the pairing of, especially red wines and cigars, it kind of seems like it's a bit underappreciated as a really, really good pairing with cigars. I agree. It's very hard to to kind of uh, battle the flavor profiles with wine, right? So with whiskeys or a lot of strong alcohols, it's very easy to kind of say, okay, like scotch, like Islay scotch has this very distinct flavor profile. It's very smoky. It's very peaty. It's very this, it's very that. And then you smoke a cigar and you, and, and you have that kind of same, same flavor profile. What's difficult for me and what I like to do is kind of take the nuances, right? And you take nuances in wine and you take the nuances in cigars and it, it it's a very it's very challenging to me and it's very i love i love to do it because it when you have a cigar it's very 
obviously smoky, right? That's that's the first thing. So if you take a cigar and cigars are smoky. Well, yeah, that's 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 the first thing. That's what people say. (laughs) And if you pair it with a scotch that's smoky, which one is the smoky part, right? But if you completely contrast the flavors, so if you take a very sweet wine and you compare mm-hmm. it with a very smoky cigar, a very smoky, rich cigar, or if you take a very floral wine and you pair it with a very min- mineral-focused cigar, that's what's fun to me right, right. is the the contrast when you're pairing. What, I think that, yep. What are some, uh, you know... What are some wines that you think pair especially well? Like I'm a big Zinfandel guy. Like I, I'm, I'm almost exclusively into Zinfandels, uh, some Petit Syrahs and stuff too. But mainly that big, juicy, bold, you know, uh, rich flavors of Zinfandels. But maybe talk a little bit about what other wines. Or am, am I wrong? Like, like what do you think about Zinfandels pairing and other wines that also might pair well with cigars? Well, it's because you smoke a lot of cigars, well, so you true. like yeah. that very, you like that very spicy, rich, cedar-forward kind of wine, right? And, and you like that in your cigars. So I think that to answer your question, I think that a fun sort of practice would be to try them, and I think that that's how you develop your palate, and I think that's very important to develop your own palate because everybody's palate is different. So if you, you know, if you like very smoky, very rich, very developed Zinfandel and you pair it with very rich, very developed, very strong cigars, or you pair it with very light, very aromatic, very floral cigars, I think that developing your own palate is the most important thing. So smoke everything, drink everything, find out what you do like and find out what you don't like and find out how it pairs individual. Individual. You know what I mean? Right. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, Tony, that you drink all kinds of wine and enjoy all kinds of wine, but do you have a go-to? Is, is there a style that you typically gravitate towards? Willamette Valley Pinot Noir all mm. all day every day. Why is that? I, I haven't got really into the Pinot Noirs. Like, tell me about that. What what am I gonna get when I have a good Pinot Noir? It, uh, a Pinot Noir to me, like especially one from Burgundy or Willamette Valley. Like those are the two for me the two best areas you could buy a Pinot Noir. They're very elegant. They're very light, and they're very they're very aromatic and they're very sort of the feminine. But for me, I like them because I can appreciate the flavor, but it doesn't overtake anything else I'm doing. So if I drink a really big, rich Napa cab or Napa red wine, red blend, and I take a sip, that's all I taste. I take a sip of, you know, Camus or Silver Oak. I, I, that's all I taste. And then I take a bite of my meal or I take a smoke of my cigar. That's all I taste. But Pinot Noir, I take a sip of it, especially 
Oregon Pinot Noir. I take a sip, and I'm like, oh, that flavor is so interesting. And I think about it, and then I smoke my cigar, and I'm like, wow, that flavor with my cigar is so interesting. And then the flavor of the wine goes away, and then the finish of my cigar comes in, and I'm like, oh, my God, I understand life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. It was like, All a, right. it was like a philosophical experience for you. You, you just uh, understood the whole meaning of life at that point, right? I do every day. <laughs> did, did, your, did your family uh, make wine when you were growing up at all or no? No, they don't because my dad always said that everybody that makes wine at home, it tastes like shit. That's what he said. <laughs> That's uh, words to live by. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> oh man, that's that's I you know like I I, I really want to like expand out. So now I think the next thing I'm going to try is is the Pinot Noir, just based on on your advice right there. I want to I want to get out of my Zinfandel rut, Jordan. Yeah, and, I'm I'm mostly cabs and zins, and I haven't I need I've just been in that in that realm for a little too long. Right, my comfort gotta, zones. Gotta, a too gotta try something new, something fresh. So we'll definitely try that. Thank you for that, uh, Tony. Uh, so uh, speaking of uh, uh, gimmicks, um, we'll just end the show oh. with this. Uh, yes. Growing up, uh, what, you know, Jordan, what was... What, wait, real quick. One of the guy's comments yeah. was that our gimmick was... The ultimate gimmick was not having Robert Caldwell on the show. Yes. Uh, that's, we pulled a prank on you guys. We, yeah, it was an April Fool's joke <laughs> in October. So it was a day, it was a six months late. We planned this whole thing. We planned it for six straight months to not have Robert on the show. <laughs> uh, no, but he's actually been on the show. He's been commenting like crazy in the chat. He's ticked. Which is nice. So uh, I don't know, you know, hey, what, what, we've, we, we, we've, we've <laughs> dialed him up several times on Skype before. So I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, but what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, Tony? What are you going to do? But look at Tony. He's interesting enough. That's yeah, all we need. Yeah, he's carrying the show. He's carrying me. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> all right, so the, you My were, back hurts, but... Uh, it's okay. You're I, making a point about the gimmick. I was gonna say like, to, like toys that I remember as a child, favorite childhood toys. And if you guys are watching on Facebook, if any of you guys can remember some of these, I don't know if any of you guys remember this thing. It was called Clackers, and it was like two. Oh, yeah. It was like two uh, hard plastic balls on a string, and you you go like this, and they like start clacking, and then you could get them to like go boom, bam, boom, bam, but like. Kids were, like, knocking their eyes out with these things and stuff. <laughs> and eventually they had to ban this toy. And then that isn't even the worst one. The worst one we had was lawn darts. I don't know if you guys remember this. They were literally a, a metal dart about this big. Jeez. You would, one team would stand on one side of the grass at the lawn, and the other team would stand on the other side of the lawn with, like, a little circle in front of you. And you would throw this lawn dart trying to land in that circle. We and need to get back there. You can uh, you can imagine the hijinks that <laughs> transpired. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It was like it was basically it was like playing cornhole except with giant sharp metal darts. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> but Tony, as a kid, what was what was your like your favorite childhood toys? Like what were some of the the gimmicky fun toys as a child that Tony Bellotto played with when he was growing up? Well, I'm an only child, so. I used to I used to love taking things apart and putting them back together, right? So all the Tonka trucks and all the I was born in nineteen eighty four, so all wow, the Wow, you're a young guy. You're a young fella. 
Yeah, I'm 36 this year. I was 36 two weeks ago, I think. Well, September happy, happy 6th. Birthday. Happy my birthday, birthday, my friend. But all the, the metal Tonka trucks and all the weird stuff did the G.I. Joe stuff. Oh, G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. It was, it was all about, for me, it was all about taking it apart, right? So I would sit there alone. It's very miserable, actually. <laughs> I, I don't I don't actually want to maybe say this, but I will. But I was completely alone as an only child in my parents' basement, and I would take apart things, and then I would try to put them back together. Mm-hmm. So it's very like serial killer of me to like <laughs> put together like weird, you know, animatronic sort of dolls. But I I, I think that was our generation, you know, taking apart things that were given to us. I don't know if you guys if you guys have any like thoughts on this, but I, I take apart. <laughs> <laughs> you were either going to be an engineer or a serial killer, or a sommelier. Exactly. Or a sommelier. He was going to be. I, a, I can happened. see how that. I can see how that relates to like being in the cigar business and the being a sommelier, like especially the cigar industry. Like, ooh, I really like that cigar. Let's try. Let's let, let my mind deconstruct it, and now I want to reconstruct that. it. Yes. in the same sort of fashion. Do you think that there's something to that, Tony? Am I psychoanalyzing you properly? I think that's absolutely correct, and I think that's why I got in into the business in the first place. You know, I I tasted something, or you know, even the rationale for where I went to wine school. It's like I take something, I break it apart, and I put it back together, and then I give somebody else a reasonable explanation of why it is what it is. And I think that's sort of my, <laughs> you know, my life goal. Right, yeah, I know. I can, I can see where that uh, relates. Um, all right, Tony. So wrapping up the show, um, how do you feel about where the cigar industry is right now? I mean, you you kind of touched on a little bit earlier. Or we got kind of a, a favorable ruling, a temporary favorable ruling with the FDA. But you you own stores and you also. Uh, have a cigar brand, and you are also a guy that just enjoys cigars in general. So you sort of have a unique perspective uh, because you're getting to see it from um, different, you know, viewpoints as a retailer, as a manufacturer, and kind of as a consumer as well. How do you feel about where the cigar industry is right now in 2020? Is that the year? 2020. Is it? Is it 2020? Yeah. <laughs> Still is. It still is. Somehow. No, I mean, I mean, we had prohibition in the 20s and 30s, like between 1920 and 1933, and the the public disagreed with it because at the end of the day, you know, we want, all want to enjoy something, and I think that that smoking cigars is a lot different than drinking alcohol, and we're we're moving we're moving to a point where cigars are are sort of being like the one thing that people are saying that are that should be prohibited i what's 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 even the word i don't know prohibited prohibited yeah yeah but i think that ultimately 
we should all enjoy something and we shouldn't let the government set us back in that enjoyment. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I have friends that are up 1,500, 2,000% in their sales because they get to smoke cigars while they're selling what they have to sell. So I think that the meditation and the enjoyment of cigars should be held separate from everything else. And I think that that's how we move forward ultimately all right well hey man i'm gonna i'm gonna let you go tony it sounds like you are having a incredible night over there wherever you are uh where are you right now are you in ohio yeah i'm in Youngstown, ohio yeah. I, I bought a house today i closed on a house oh, congrats so, my man that is i'm, I'm that celebrating is great news so. yeah good for you uh, buying a house that's that's one of those lifetime cornerstone moments right uh so it's a day you'll never forget. So that's fantastic. Hey, Tony, I want to thank you so much for taking the time on Friday night to talk about the gimmick. Knowing how to work Skype and everything. Knowing how to work Skype, Robert. <laughs> Knowing how to work uh, Skype. But the gimmick, that cigar is is really good, by the way. You guys got to gra- grab a, a bundle or seven from Atlantic Cigars. Use the uh, coupon code DOJO10 to save 10%. Shh. That's just between... Me and the audience, so don't tell anybody else. But Dojo 10 will save you 10%. Uh, there are still some left, so buy them tonight. You can also get your cool gimmick badge on the Dojoverse if you share your proof of purchase. And guess what? That's a cool badge. Somebody, one of those lucky people that shares their proof of purchase on the Dojoverse.com is going to win an extra bundle out of my stash. So make sure that you do that as well. Um, Again, thanks to Tony Bellotto for being on the show tonight. Uh, we got uh, Wednesday's Flavor Odyssey coming up. It's a wild card episode. Wild card! I think we'll announce the pairing on Monday for that show. Uh, we got a great show uh, next Friday night. I don't want to say the guest yet because I don't want to jinx it, but it should be a fun show. We will see you guys next Friday night on Smoke Night Live. Until then, remember, never, never smoke, smoke alone. alone. See you guys Friday night. Introducing the all-new Romeo y Julieta Passione. The story of this cigar dates back almost a year during a visit to the Flor de Coupon factory in Honduras, we witnessed the endless amount of passion and love the workers put into each and every cigar. This hand-rolled cigar uses a blend of Dominican and Honduran filler tobaccos, along with a rich and flavorful binder from the U.S. The wrapper is a zesty Ecuadorian Habano leaf that offers up notes of pepper, leather, nuts, and a dash of cocoa. Ignite your passion and pick up a box of the Romeo y Julieta Passion at jrcigars.com.